0: I wouldn't
1: do this. McDavid stops up. What a move. Shoots. Scores.
2: Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Outsiders, powered by the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City. I'm Bryn Griffiths in Kananaskis. And I'll explain that later. Robin Brownlee is at his Southwest Edmonton studio. And look who's joining us today on a Monday morning. It is Jamie Thomas from 680 CJOB in Winnipeg. Does color on the radio broadcasts. Okay, I'm going to be really yeah. blunt. Are you ready for it? Here comes the question. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay. What the hell is going on there? Like, what has happened? Everybody out here oh in gosh. Alberta are trying to figure out, you know, it's tough enough watching the Flames and the Oilers and trying to get a handle on what's going on. But Winnipeg, I can't begin to even start, so I'll let
0: you go. Uh, where to begin? I think w- there's a lot of things that came into this, Brent. Right I'm, I'm sure the the – COVID issues like a lot like look at the Calgary Flames they had them all at once and I'm not saying the the Jets are alone in this everybody had this issue uh, throughout the season but just they they would have two here two there and I think right off the beginning part of the season on their first road trip Blake Wheeler and Mark Scheifele got COVID and this is the early wave of COVID and Wheeler was sidelined for a bit and I think When those two aren't at their best, clearly that's going to have some issues for you. And they got up to a real slow start. And now they're kind of rolling here. Connor Hellebuck. Um, We are so used to seeing him steal games for the Winnipeg Jets. And I can honestly say he hasn't stolen a game until the month of March. I think he's stolen like three now. Uh, Buffalo comes to mind uh, on the road trip. So when he's not at that level that we're so used to seeing him play at, The odd occasional goal gets by him that you're not used to seeing. That becomes an issue for this hockey club in tight hockey and tight games. Uh, And I can even point to their record in overtime. It was like one in six for the longest time. They weren't very good in shootouts. So that extra point killed them that they didn't get, that they probably would have got the previous two years. So there's, there's a laundry list of issues uh, starting with the their two, you know Wheeler and Shifley not playing at their best the beginning part of the year and Connor Hellebuck not being at the best net Trophy candidate levels that we've seen him in years past. That probably is, and then you know their reconstructed blue line. I, I thought they've given up still they didn't give up the chances off the rush that they had been giving up in years past, but the front of the net hasn't really been uh, that hard to get to. I guess is the best place to put it for the opposition. So they haven't defended as well as people expected them to. So that's pretty much as a, uh, those are four pretty good reasons why the Jets aren't in a playoff spot at this point.
1: Well, Jamie, I'm sure fans here can relate. I mean, um, I, I'm not putting Wheeler and Shifley in the the same category, but you know, if Leon dry and Connor McDavid uh, are off their game um, and the goaltending is off, which it has been, uh, they started off great as everybody knows, but you know, Koskinen's a question mark. Smith has been a question mark because of the coming, constantly being hurt and having to come back from injuries. You take those components out or or knock them down by 10 or 20% in efficiency, you're going to have what you got in Winnipeg, aren't you?
0: I think so. And I, I, I point to, let's look at the season series with Dallas, a division rival for the Jets. They lost three straight games in overtime to the Dallas Stars. Like, that's those are important points that you need at any time. And you, you just think if you have those three points, that's a big difference. You're still out of the playoffs, but you're still in the hunt at that point. So the times, the one goal games have been killer for them this year. And if you're not getting that save at a certain point in the game, a critical stop, that's going to hurt you in those one goal games. So just all these little, little places, they're off in certain spots. And then you look at, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois had a great year. Kyle Connor, like I, I don't think we need to talk about how great he's been. Yeah. Probably one of the more underrated players in the NHL this year. So you got that going for you with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor, been a nice combination. You know, Josh Morris, he's having a fantastic year. I think we can't overwrite that. Neil Pionk's been beat up this year. So there's a little thing. Logan Stanley kind of took a step back this year after a great rookie campaign with the Jets. So just little things are off here and there. So uh, in a league that is so competitive and so close to one another, when things are off, it's not necessarily a bad year. It's just not what people expected, and and you know you they made the improvements on the blue line, brought in Nate Schmidt, Brendan Dillon. So the the expectations were sky high. They got the second round of the playoffs last year. So I think why I can understand why people are disappointed and frustrated. And I, I don't think anybody could be more frustrated than Kevin Cheveldayoff, and clearly interim head coach Dave Lowry right now. Yeah. Uh, oh, and you know who else we didn't throw in there? Paul Marie stepping down in December. I was just going to uh, get to that. Yeah. Yep. that, that, that I, Blake Wheeler and him had such a great relationship. It was almost like a father-son relationship in some ways. I think that threw things off. I That caught so many people off guard. I just think the players were so – they were reeling from that. And then there was the pause. Like I, I mean, I, all these things are coming back. It floods back to you when you start talking about it. The pause threw things off. They didn't play at home. Then they had two games in late January – with 250 fans in the building. And Blake we were pointing out that he goes, that was debilitating. Like it was so frustrating for them to go on the road in the United States, buildings are full. Then you come uh-huh. home and you need the fans at that point. You need something to get you going. And you're playing Florida and Vancouver. And let's talk Florida's as good as they are right now. And Vancouver's a Canadian rival. And you have 250 people in the building. And Paul and Maurice called it last year, manufacturing energy all the time. It's difficult to do. And we know in January, you come out of the all-star break or the Christmas break and you need that extra oomph. You don't have that. I think a lot of that comes in, like the Canadian team struggled without the fans in the building, period. So there's lots of little factors that played in this year. And I know, remember, if Michael Dick, who used to be the assistant coach of Lethbridge Hurricanes when I was there in the early, late 90s, said it's not an excuse, it's a reason. There's a lot of reasons why this went off; just not excuses.
2: Okay, so once again, out here in Alberta and Western Canada, everybody's looking at the Jets, trying to figure out what the hell's going on. What the yeah. hell happened with Paul Maurice? It just seemed like he went away so quietly. Was it a a personal timeout for him? It, will we see him back? Like, what, what what do you think is going to happen, and what did happen?
0: Uh, I, you know what? I'm I, he said last year the without fans in the building. He actually just said, why did we even bother? And I don't blame him. And we all sat through that division last year. It was great to start, but then you play the Oilers three games in a row, and it wasn't as fascinating as we thought it would be. Yeah. You thought rivalries were going to build out of it. The hockey was pretty blah, When, if you really think about it. Yep. Until the playoffs and the emotions started coming out, there was a lot of nights where you're like, there's nothing going on here. And I think he said that took a lot out of him. Um, and then just this year, he admitted – that the boys, I think guys just weren't listening or, you know, he said they needed another voice. He's a pretty smart guy. You guys know this, right? Like Paul Maurice is as smart as it gets, as yeah. intelligent as there is. And, and, and you know, if he's, if he's noticing that, I think he was smart enough to step back and allow somebody else to come in and see if he get the same message across, but just with a different
1: voice. You, you know, Jamie, when we used to go into Carolina and yeah, um, I and and when you're on the road, you don't get enough of this. Sometimes it's nice to just sit down and talk hockey away from the scrum, away from the lights and the notepads. Jim yeah. and I would always seek out Paul Maurice if he was. <laughs> and, and you know what? If the and when the Oilers got to town, if there was a skate optional or otherwise. Paul would always find a reason to be in the building if the team was in town. Yeah. Standing in the tunnel, watching, you'd go into, Hey guys, he'd come over and have a coffee. He's one of the guys I most enjoyed talking about the game with over the years. He loves the game. And, and obviously uh, the game loves him. He's had, you know, he's had some success. How, where do you have to get to to walk away like he did? Did he ever share did he ever share how difficult that was for him? Because it's okay to say, ah, maybe they're not hearing me anymore and it's time to step away. But there's, for a guy like him, there's got to be a whole lot of thought that goes into that before you actually do it.
0: Yeah, I, I truly believe like just this way this year went – was just enough. Like he's given everything to, to the city. And that's the one thing like he stayed in Winnipeg afterwards. I'm not sure if he's gone anywhere now, but because we haven't heard from him for quite a bit. But I always remember how much he loved the city, right? He just would speak about it. He wanted players on his team that wanted to be in Winnipeg, not just to be a jet, but they wanted to be in the city of Winnipeg and appreciated that. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a whole I I for people like people understand that coaches the amount of time they give up in their lives, the amount of hours they spend in their office watching videos. And we give up a lot of time covering the sport, but not even close to what coaches do. They're there before the players are, they wear losses, they wear the win, you know, just as much as the players do, if not a little bit more. I just think maybe a little bit, he's probably tired. It's, it's, it was a draining couple of years and especially through the pandemic, it was a lot on everybody. And um, you know, (laughs) they joke that it was the, five-star prison in Toronto, you know, at the Ritz in Toronto last year, (laughs) (laughs) because you can't, they, they couldn't leave, right. They couldn't leave the building. They, you know, to, to all the hotels credits in the NHL, they did their best through this, but just probably sitting in a four, a four wall room all the time and just watching video and not being able to do what we, what we appreciate about this guy's, is I get to talk to you guys when I come to Edmonton, right? We get to see each other, talk about things, how our families and everything, not being able to do that and for such a social person like Paul Maurice yeah. must have worn on him. And the fact the team wasn't where they should be um, all the time was probably wearing on him as well. And I, we all look at this team as it should be better. And I think it was took a lot for him to step away. And Dave Lowry said, I didn't come here to coach the Winnipeg Jets. I came here to coach with Paul Maurice. I think that says everything you need to know about that and how difficult it was for Dave Lauer to take over. And Dave has told us, I'm, I don't talk like Paul Maurice. I don't dress like Paul Maurice. So I, you know, we got spoiled with him here. Um, You could ask him one question and writers know this better than anybody. He could fill an entire you know, a notebook uh in about five minutes for everybody so that that's the part we miss about him and we could go to broadcast meetings and kevin sawyer works for tsn said man I like he does all your work for you pretty much like you just talk to him and he would tell you all the little things that are going on that you could address in, during a broadcast so we got spoiled um but uh Full credit to Dave Lowry trying to keep this together because it, it has not been easy.
2: Dave Lowry is a great guy. I worked with him in Calgary oh. doing the Flames broadcast. I, I love, uh, I loved him. He, he was very honest. Honest as the yeah. day is long. Uh, is he going to survive? Once. Is he going to survive this? Like, I, like it's it seems unfortunate, but somebody's going to end up paying the price here. I don't know what Chevy's status is going to be as well because. Let's take a look at the playoffs last year. They got by the Edmonton Oilers in a sweep that could have gone either way. If one goalie was just a little bit, I thought the goalies were so close, but Connor Hellebuck was just a little bit better, and they got a little better uh, bottom six scoring out of the Jets, and the Oilers got none, so it was pretty easy to check them. But that series could have flipped the other way, and it might have made this season a little easier of a setup, but that set the bar really high for this year. But now you've gone through it, Jamie, Somebody, there's going to have to be a a move or two. Is that what you're hearing there at all, or are we just hearing that out here?
0: Here's what I think. When you come through a year like the Canadian teams have through a pandemic, you didn't have a lot of revenue, you've lost a lot of money, are you really in a place where you want to pay people not to work? And I think somehow you, knowing Mark Chipman a little bit and his loyalty and understanding what's going on here, is another coach or another coaching staff really going to change things that much? You have the same group. It's your same, you know, the same players. I just don't know if that's really going to help things here. I, I Kevin shovel did everything that the team, you know, that was required. He fixed the blue line. That's what everybody was saying they had to do. So he did that. You've lost, you know, Cole Perfetti was supposed to be up here. You lost him for the rest of the year. There's just lots of little things that have happened that are yeah. out of their control. The coaching staff can't fix the fact that the power play is not going well. The coaching staff can't fix that. You know, last three games you've given up three shorthanded goals. Like there's just you can't fix Mark Shifley not having a, a good, a consistent year. You can't fix Connor Hellebuck uh, to not being himself. So, uh, as much as everybody wants, and th- this is. Working with a team it changes your perspective a lot of things on how things work. You kind of see little things like I remember being reacting to everything, and when you even when you start traveling with a team, you're like, "Holy cow, these guys are just they lost a pretty bad game," but you see how they park it and move on to the next one. I just think everybody has to have a level head here and realize that this is there's a lot of things that didn't people didn't expect to happen, and yelling and firing the coaches and ripping this thing apart is not really the right thing to do because there's a lot of good pieces here. I haven't mentioned Nikolai Ehlers yet. Yeah, like, there's just, it. right, there's just, Dylan DeMello is a solid top-four defenseman as there is right now. Um, Brennan Dillon, you know, like, there's, Logan Stanley had an off year, but he's starting to get a little bit more consistent. Like, Nate Schmidt, like, are you kidding me? He's your third defense pairing. Like, he's just a good first-pass defenseman there's just too many pieces. Adam Lowers is as good third line center as there is in the NHL right now. So I, I I just don't know about blowing things up all the time. We, you know, everyone thinks Billy Hanel should be playing more. That's the thing. Every city thinks there's a first round draft pick, should be playing all the time. Billy Hanel is not strong enough yet to defend the front of the net. He's a great offense. It reminds me of Mark Andre Bergeron in Edmonton. Oh, yeah. Like, just he was a power play specialist. That's what Billy Hanel is right now. He's fantastic when it's five on four. But when it gets tough in front of the net, he's just not strong enough yet to do that. He's not strong enough to fight off defender and get the puck in the corner on the defensive end. That's not his fault. He's going to grow into – he's going to get stronger as time goes along, but it's just not yet. So all this fascination with Billy Hanala being up here and well, that's why the Jets are losing, mm, maybe we should step back and be a little bit more rea- re- realistic here.
1: Now, Jamie, the, the important thing through everything you said is this – yeah. Are the are the people calling the shots um, smart enough? And I'm, and I'm this isn't a, this isn't a punchline. Smart nope. enough to think along the lines of what you just talked about we here in Edmonton have seen it firsthand for for a long time oh yeah how many coaches would you like to have how many people do you want to change out because you don't have the success right away so we'll go from Rennie and Quinn and on and on and on and on and you'll have a kid who has been here seven years and he's had six coaches and I don't know how you know people don't forget how to coach and they don't forget how to play hockey. Even when you have a tough season, you've got good hockey players there. you got good yeah. hockey people there at the same time, you got the results driven business hanging over yes. your head. How, yeah, do you, sure. how do you balance the two without going, Hey, it's okay. And having fans still want to come to the building and, uh, you know, still make the tweaks that you need to make. Um, I'm keeping Connor Halibuk all day long. I don't need a new goalie if I've got Connor Halibuk. Did Shifley forget how to play hockey? Did I miss that somewhere? Uh, This is a good. This is a good group.
0: Yeah, it's like Mark Shifley is is a possibility at 100 points. If you get rid of him, he's going to score 100 points somewhere else, right? Blake Wheeler is still a point per game guy. He's had he hurt his knee in December and, and like that, he was out for a long period of time. Yeah. So, and you lost Nikolai Euler for 19 games. So, there's just all these little things that you're that's not going to happen. You hope the following year. I just don't believe that this the ownership group management is in the position where they're like they're going to panic because of what they've built here. You're trying to sell to guys that want to come play in Winnipeg. We're loyal, we're not going to get rid of you when things are tough. Um, I also haven't said enough about Jamie Compon, as passionate as it gets, it's like when he. You know, some personal issues this year, family issues. He was on, you know. Tell, Paul Murray said he's phoning him at four o'clock in the morning, talking about the power play as passionate as it get. Charlie Huddy is as great as it get. I wow. am um, like you're not going to find a better defensive coach around than Charlie Huddy. I'm sorry, like I just, I've just seen too. There's too much respect for Charlie Huddy uh, on the guys that play on the blue line in the dressing room. I just don't believe that they're short a coach right now. You haven't filled in uh, Dave Lowry's position right now, so I I think that this group, this coaching staff, is going to be here. New coaching staffs don't sell tickets. Success does. Wind. So there's going to something's going to happen in the offseason that's going to tweak the interest of the fans. And I always find, remember Kevin Lowe when he said, "There's two different types. There's two two different types of fans: the one that buy tickets, the one I can't remember what the other quote was." Tier, tier one, one and season. tier
2: two. He used the tier right,
0: yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it was probably tone deaf a little bit, but it's right. Like, there's the people that are buying tickets are usually, to me, the ones that kind of have an idea of what's going on every night a little bit more than the fan that reacts out of emotion. We've all been – I've been a person reacting out of emotion. You're like, fire him, get rid of the power play, put this guy here. It's just not that simple. So, I just – I don't know if changing the coaching staff is going to change things around here. I just think it's the players that have to execute on the ice. They have – A pretty good freaking team, guys. I'm sorry. It just didn't work out for you. And look at the central division. There's five five teams right now. We'll just leave the Jets, and there's six teams that are in that position that, you know, they're either in the playoffs or fighting for a playoff spot. It's a damn good division. And that uh, plays a big role into what happened here as well.
2: I just, on the tier one and tier two fans thing, I got to tell you, I did talk to the president of another hockey club in Canada who said. I can't believe Kevin said it, but he's absolutely true. There, there are two tiers of fans because there are some that will spend their money on tickets and that's direct money in or jerseys. And then there's other people who will watch it in the bar and will support yeah. uh, local you know local businesses in a different manner. but they, they're just as important, but their money is going in different directions. So I, I mean I I still like I said, I was one of those guys as well. I couldn't believe that Kevin said it, but he did. He said a few things around here lately uh, toward the end that that were rather blunt and honest, but uh, it's come come back to haunt him a little bit. Okay, the the other thing we got to talk about is contract situations this coming summer because there's – what's going to happen there? Just can you rattle off a couple of the biggies?
0: Uh, Well, Paul Sassi. Yeah. Um, he's going to be unrestricted free agent. He's, you know, he will likely finish with 20 goals. Like that's just as, that's as quite a 20 goal season that you're going to have. And I haven't talked about him yet. The guy that wins 55% of his face but has been pushed to the wing a little bit because he's on the back end of his career. That's a solid guy in your dressing room. I don't know if he's back next year. That that's a tough one. Um, you, you took care of Andrew Kopp. Now, if you're a Winnipeg jet fan, you're hoping the Rangers go to the Eastern conference Finals so you can get a first round pick. And then you've got two first round picks out of that. So, I, you know, th- that's really the only one that stands out a little bit. You have to, you know, uh, Mason Appleton's restricted free agent. You'll figure that out. There's another guy I haven't even talked about yet. That's a straight line guy that goes to the heart of the net all the time. Yeah. Great penalty killers. So, he wants to be a Winnipeg Jet. So, you want those guys. And you're, he didn't want to leave. You didn't have a choice with Seattle. The Jets have tried to get him a couple of times back from the, the uh, Kraken earlier this year. He'll likely be back next year. If Guinea Svechnikov is uh, another guy that has been an up and down the lineup, player that has been fantastic this year, didn't was hurt all the time with the Detroit Red Wings as a first-round pick, just ran out of chances there. But he's been good. So there's another guy. But now you got to think Dylan Sandberg, a guy that's been fantastic in the American Hockey League. You gotta make maybe you gotta make space for him. Is Billy Hainel up here next year? Is that that, that so? There might be some movement on the back end. It's hard to say, um, but you've got like six NHL defensemen there right now. There's going to be some tough decisions that have to be made because you're going to have to start pushing these guys up from the Manitoba Moose into the NHL. You can't keep them down. And then Cole Perfetti will be in NHL, NHL or next year. So that's going to cause some movement in the front end too. So that the only real contract that stands out there is, is Paul Stastny. Because of what they have up front, I don't know if he's back next year. That's going to be the the, the only other one that I can. That's the guy that I don't think will be back in the Jets uniform next season.
1: Jamie, if you had to make an educated guess, who's the coach of this hockey club next year?
0: I'm going to say Dave Lowry. I'll just I just think he becomes the full time. The interim tag gets taken off. There's just been so many are circumstances that have been out of his control that hasn't, he hasn't been. And then you're going to have a full training camp to get your, your put on this, on this hockey club. So, um, you know, if somebody doesn't like him or the player doesn't like him, does everybody in a dressing room like the head coach, <laughs> Mike Keenan, I'm hearing lots of nightmare stories about him Fifty years, oh, still yeah. one. So yeah, nobody didn't, a lot of people didn't like him and they still figure out a way. Mac T wasn't always popular all the time with the players. That's just the way things work. You you're not always loved by your players, but so I think it's it's Dave Lowry next season, and they just add another uh, assistant coach to fill in his spot.
1: Now, with with Lowry, uh, Jamie, yeah, uh, have you noticed any change um, from you know being on the coaching staff to being the guy because? Some some people are more comfortable being the right hand guy or the left hand guy, but not the decision guy. I remember yeah. years and years around the league, different situation. And we're talking a manager. You'd run into Steve Tambellini, and he sounded like an, uh, just an absolute sage of hockey. It didn't yeah. go well for Steve Tambolini here. <laughs> no. When he when he was the the general manager instead of an assistant GM it was like a deer yeah. in the headlights. And he, it's like he forgot everything he knew. Uh is Lowry as comfortable doing what he's doing now as being one of the associates or assistants?
0: Yeah, I think what, what Bryn pointed out, just a, a guy that's blunt and gets his message across, right? Yeah. You I think a guy that is more than happy to tell you how he feels instead of being cryptic or not telling you how he feels. I think it's going to be pretty effective with this group next year. Um, I, and you know, one thing he kind of said to us that stood out to me, because someone asked him traditionally when things aren't going well, people ask, uh, is this a fragile team? He goes, there's too many, they're too. this is too old of a team to be fragile. They're like, yeah. there's too many veteran guys in this group to be fragile. So um, I just think he has, he's, been in the, he's played a 1,000 games. He's been an assistant coach for a long time. He's had success at the uh, Western Hockey League level. I just think Dave Lowry has what it takes. He's he's, he's not going to pull any punches. He's not worried about what you think of him. He's the right guy to lead this hockey club, in my opinion.
2: He coaches the way he played. He was a very honest player, and he worked yeah. his ass off. And I see him doing the same thing as a coach. The other thing, too, I remember, on occasion, he would step into the uh, hot stove at the Saddle Dome, and he would uh, take questions, and there were a couple of questions from me. I, I do tend to pull a few from left field, and he would yeah. answer them beautifully. And then the next day, he'd pull me aside and go, you know, I gotta, I want to address that question that I couldn't yeah. do last night to kind of yeah. maybe show you a little different uh, angle on that. And I, and I love that. He was basically coaching me. Is what he was doing. Yeah, but, uh, I, I've got a lot of time for Dave Lowry. I think he's fantastic. You know, you've been around too long when uh, we're talking about a Stastny who is probably not going to be back in Winnipeg, and yet we watched his dad play. So oh, uh, you know, I it,
0: remember when they, the Stastny's came over from Czechoslovakia. And oh, you know, yeah, you guys, like that's. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, I remember his dad and when he was a rookie in the National Hockey We've been around a long time. I have his hockey cards. So that's uh, pretty we're, crazy. That's, I'm old.
2: We're, yeah, we all And your
0: are. kids let like, like, you know how old you are all oh, the yeah. time, too. Oh, yeah, so. I hear that <laughs> all the yeah. time.
2: Yeah. Hey, uh, let's yeah. talk about some other stuff around the National Hockey League. We've had this discussion here in the last couple of weeks, the Hart Trophy, and I've been on a few other podcasts lately. I think this year there's about 10 guys that could win this thing because there are 10 guys easily. Robin is shaking it off already. We're going right down that same rabbit hole. Uh, He's got a guy he likes. Uh, There's a guy that I think has had a great season, has done a great job with his team. What about Jamie Thomas? Who do you
0: like? Uh, I have a lot of respect for what Roman Yossi has done this year. Um, But, hands down, I don't even care anymore because – Connor McDavid flat out is the MVP, is the hard trophy winner. Without him, there is nothing. I am sorry. I've seen too many games with him where you're like, you're scared when he comes on the ice. If you're a opposing broadcaster, if you're a fan, you're like, oh, my, and my mom gets mad when I talk about this. She's like, why doesn't anybody else play? How come they don't play the fourth line? Like, Because Connor McDavid can change the game in two seconds. And Nate, Nathan McKinnon's had a great year. Austin Matthews has had a great year. But flat out, Connor McDavid, I don't even, they should just put his name on the trophy every year because he is what the Hart Trophy is most valuable to his team. Okay, Period. now we, all know,
2: we all know the vote happens right at the conclusion of the season. They're going to make the yeah. postseason. They just need three more wins out of their last 10 games to, to yes. get there. Yes. If they didn't make the postseason, would that change the way you'd view it?
0: Uh, I'd have, It would be a really – we know they're going to make it. So, I would but just – it, ha- it would change things a little bit. I just – Austin Matthews is great, but I've seen – when the Jets have played the, the Leafs this year twice, five on five they've shut them down. The Jets have had a horrible time shutting down Connor McDavid at five on five. It is – there is – Nobody like him in the NHL I've seen, but we saw him a hundred times last year because of the Scotia North division. He is terrifying. If you're an opposing team, you have to adjust everything to what they did. The Jets had to completely change their structure to beat the Edmonton Oilers in that first round playoff series. It took everything out of them. That's what happened to them when they played Montreal. They were out of gas because of four games of facing Connor McDavid night after night. It is draining mentally and physically to contain him.
1: Period. Jamie, I've got to say this, and, and, and you have to forgive me if I've never said it to you before. Yeah. Your, your ability to analyze and your perception of the game is almost unmatched, if you ask. <laughs> you. I'm All sensing that. something going on here. it's coming. The no, no. The McDavid take. This is for Bryn's uh, enjoyment. The McDavid take is so bang on. Um, All of us have been around a while. Um, We're spoiled. I have never seen, I'll put it this way, and I know the Stanley Cups come into it and longevity will come into it. I have never seen a better player not the greatest player because of accomplishment and titles. I have never seen a better player than Connor McDavid, not Wayne Gretzky, not Mario Lemieux, not Pavel Bure. There is nobody I can name who is as dynamic, as explosive, as important of a catalyst to his team because he can take it. If he doesn't like an elbow or the way he's been hit, or the way the yeah. game is going, you will see him literally throw the team on his back and say, here we go. And yeah, you, yeah. you just don't... There are other players who have great moments, but he is a great player. Okay, so obviously
2: yeah. you two guys are on the McDavid camp, and I'm not slagging Connor by any stretch of the imagination. Sure He's, you are. Got, yeah. he's got Leon here as well. The guy that I'm yeah. liking... Okay, so uh, Austin has got... You know, he's got a pretty good supporting group. Mitch Marner's very solid in Toronto. So I kind of dismiss it a little bit. But the guy that I've been picking is, uh, one, I didn't see the Calgary Flames having this kind of year, and they are completely being led by uh, the, the little guy. And so that be, that's the, If they don't have Johnny Hockey, they're not there. I just, I think he's provided offense, like, beyond belief. He's taken it to the next level. I just think that there's a lot of guys. Jonathan Huberto has been Lights out, fantastic in Florida. Nathan McKinnon, unbelievable in Colorado. But he's also got a supporting cast. I think the Hart Trophy this year is up for grabs. I just do. I feel that way. Okay, mm. next talk. Do you want okay. to do you want to add to that? I see that you want to say nope.
0: something. No, nope. okay. I just think is. I think Brendan and I made our case, so I don't know how so to there go how we else go. To go. But I there's other people that see it that way. I, I agree with you. I just think it's the we're so spoiled by watching conor mcdaver's like oh who else is there what else, somebody know, else is having right here it's, the new, the new it's shiny not thing. it's like yeah exactly like who else can we give it to besides him because we can't give it to him again yeah that, no, i, I agree i agree there'll be some asinine it is it's asinine and we all know because that that guy in toronto we know how that's going to work uh, we've been this around too long i've lived there i know exactly how this works we saw. Remember when Jerome McGinley and Jose Theodore were up the hard Trophy one I, year? We I all know we should have won that. Yeah, I I've, now that I've lived in the East and been in the West, we know the uh-huh. Eastern bias. I don't care. I'm not afraid to say it. it it's real. It sits there. I thought it's <laughs> we're we're too far out. The games are too late. I live lived there. The Vancouver games. I'm not staying up for that. That's crazy. I'm seeing it. Yeah, it's Connor McDavid flat out. It's just okay. it shouldn't even be a conversation. Who's
2: who's the top team in the West and who's the top team in the East in your uh, in your eyes right now? And, and once again, uh, it's not easy to pick, but.
0: No, it, like Colorado is just are to me, like Minnesota has moments. They're big, they're physical. They could probably grind you down quite a bit, but Colorado they're See, to me, they're a combination of, they're just terrifying. They just won't stop. And the only thing like we try to come up with ways to go, oh, they're not good. They're, and I do it too. Yeah. Oh, I'm a little worried about their goaltending. I'm a little worried about this. Oh, they could get banged up in the back end. There's a lot of talent there, but they're not physical. Well, I've seen Kale McCarr handle himself just fine. Oh. Um, they're dangerous. It's going to take a lot to take them out. And I, I love what Daryl Sutter said: "It's if you play them, it's a waste of eight days." So it's it's tough. Uh, so Colorado, to me, hands down, in the West. In the East,
2: I think it's pretty easy right now. Actually, I've watched yeah, a lot of Eastern uh, like, games.
0: Yeah, like Florida. I like. I just don't know. I don't know if you can score the way they do. It gets when it gets tight in the playoffs. Yeah. I'd be terrified of Tampa, guys. If they just, make just like it. The way they're kind of I know it's a little if they're falling off a little bit, but still to me, Tampa's the best in the east. They're
2: hanging on to a wild card position. So, uh, yeah. They remind
0: me of the Oilers. The so Oilers in the eighties, they would take days off. Yeah. It's just my dad would get mad every November. Oh, they're just playing possum every night, the same thing. We all know what's gonna happen. I just it, it's Tampa guys. It's Tampa and Colorado. And what a Stanley Cup final that would be.
2: Okay, let's uh, let's talk about uh, you. Let's talk about you've had an interesting year too. How many broadcasters are going to have COVID on the road? Like you you had it, Uh, our good friend Bob Stauffer and uh, Cam Moon is another guy. They've all had it. They both. Bob was stuck in Chicago, I think, for five to seven days, and Mooner was stuck in Dallas for uh, about a week. What about you? Everybody seems to be getting it. It's not any fun if you don't, right? You can't be part of the party if you don't get it.
0: Wasn't there a South Korean doctor said, if you don't haven't had COVID, you have no friends. is not that part of what. the? (laughs) 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 What about you? I'm not like, okay. Let's quantify this to clarify this. I'm not making fun of COVID. No. When I got COVID, we we were in Nashville. I got the call. You got to take a cab back. I was at the Boston, the Bruins practice facility. I got the text message. You do the walk of shame out of there. You take a cab back, wearing your mask, get back to the hotel. And all of a sudden I get text messages and DMs on Twitter. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm like, I had the sniffles. And it was almost like a mental thing. As soon as someone tells you I'm COVID, I'm like, oh, I don't feel good. I have the chills. Yeah. Um, it was it was not terrible at all. I had one bad night. I, I was cold. I had a bad, annoying cough for three weeks. Um I've heard I've heard guys in the Jets tell me they play with a lot worse, right? You know, guys play with the flu over the years. So, but I was in Boston. I was at the Ritz Carlton in Boston. So it's just for a week, you know, your <laughs> only thing you're terrified of is that your wife is going to kill you. Cause you're like, she's back home with my three kids. Yeah, <laughs> It's January. The weather, is like minus 50. It's snowing nonstop. I'm not scared of COVID. I'm scared of what happens when you get back home. You, after the, after the fifth day and you get outside, I, I went and got a haircut. Like I walked around Boston for a four, for four days. Very so sweaty. it had one, one, one terrible snowstorm. I got a little bored walking around the same places because I'm cheap. I don't want to Uber everywhere and go see the scenes. Um, I have three kids, so so I can go sightseeing or whatever because I got bills to pay or whatever. But it it was not awful. So uh, all I can really say is uh, there are way worse places to be than Boston, Massachusetts, with COVID.
2: And, and let me point out here that yeah, I'm not I'm not making fun of COVID, but I, I we're not. I, I've had co- I've had cancer, and I joke and laugh yeah. about it. I've had COVID. I laugh and joke about it because that is my that's my response to things. I try to look yeah. ahead. I look forward. I look. The, I see the battle, and I want to get through it. I know it's been tough on a lot of people, but uh, I've been watching guys like you and the other guys all kind of uh, scramble, and it's it's really been difficult. And it's still kind of around in different forms and different variants. But hey, man, you. Uh, I, Thumbs up for you uh, to have to put up with it in Boston of all cities, which is a great city <laughs> at the Ritz Carlton. Yeah.
0: Wow! Yeah. The only yeah. thing that got annoying was just like you see that you know everybody's nice to you because they have to be because the Jets are a pretty big contract, right? Just, you're bringing in 40 people with you all the time, and you're like, hello, Mr. Thomas, I got a care package the first day of ship and water. So it's yeah, just, or you know, there's there's
2: Mr. Thomas. Yeah, here yeah. is your clam chowder. Yeah,
0: Who's
1: yeah. The, uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, just the the daily testing, that was about it. And then the disappointment, because you can't NHL rules at the time. Your CT levels have to be bigger than 30. So I got tested, and every day it was below 30. That was your big disappointing day. That was it. And then you get to watch broadcasts of your team that you see every day in different formats. And then, man, I didn't realize how biased the Pittsburgh Penguins (laughs) television broadcast was until I watched them play the Jets uh, from a Jet perspective, I guess, is the best way to put it. But it works. (laughs) that's (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's <laughs> you know it's funny you would say that i know i noticed this a long time ago jamie and it's, it's unrelated yeah. but it's related in a way yeah. when you hear the different yeah. broadcasts i have for going on 20 years now laughed out loud uh and I, it, it came up this week when they did the celebration of rick jenaret's career now yes Rick Jenneret had a terrific career. I don't know anybody in the microphone end of the business that doesn't know the Mayday call. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... Uh, but, but here's chills. the thing what you said. <laughs> Rick Jenneret the greatest thing he ever managed as a broadcaster, if you've ever watched the video of it, is he made the George Larac rob Ray fight Sound like a toe-to-toe slugfest that was just hellfire and brimstone. In that bout, George hit Ray 23 times. Ray threw two punches, and it sounded like it was a split decision. It was a beautiful call for a hometown Buffalo guy.
0: Yeah. Paul, Paul Edmonds and my broadcast partner says, we don't sell content, we sell hope. That's what you do on the broadcast. So <laughs> that's what I've learned to appreciate after calling games for your your team.
2: You know, there's nothing wrong with having a little bit of fun. In fact, I, I want to ask you this because I've been in this position in a few, a few situations where you're kind of working for the team, but you're still working for a radio station and you still have to walk the line a little bit, but you also got to lean a little bit to the home side. Has that been a struggle for you?
0: When I first started doing it, yes. Actually, when I first started, when I came from Sportsnet to the Jets on Jets TV and covering the team, my questioning was still, you know what I'm going to say, right? It's still kind of pushed towards what happened there. And then I kind of quickly learned, like I asked Paul Maurice about a a penalty call that was missed. And I got poked in the side by PR said, Hey, don't do that because you don't want to get them fired up. And and fine, which is fine. I, I get it, right? So after a while, you start to change your line of questioning. I actually kind of enjoy it because I'm not a negative person. Um, I just, you know, it's not not fun poking at guys when they're not in a good mood. I don't enjoy it. Never have. That's one of the things. That there, lots of people do enjoy it. There's, that's why they're good at what they do. Um, but I have kind of appreciate a lot of things. That I've that's, that's, Jets fans are smart enough to know when you're towing the line they're they're not dumb so sometimes you do have to be honest in certain situations it's just how you word it gentlemen you have to word it a certain way uh that you're being truthful but you're not being negative i guess is the best way to put it
2: are you okay robin
1: are you frozen up there no no i'm i I, i'm again he's thinking before he speaks no, yes, no, because no. that's <laughs> what journalists do, not broadcasters. I've heard, same, I've heard the same thing. People don't under some people don't understand the difference between yeah. what you do uh, as an analyst, as a play by play guy, as a host, um, yeah, as a beat guy on the newspaper side or on the website side. I mean, I laugh out loud. I mean, a guy, we all love, right? I hear fans when they're mad, especially when things the, if the Oilers are in the tank. That Gene Principe, I can't stand that Gene Principe. What's wrong with Gene? It's always softballs. Gene is is the host. His gig is not to say, what the hell's wrong with the power play, coach? Um, I think people outside sometimes get... Don't understand that. And really, I guess in the big picture, it doesn't matter. They want to be entertained. But you've walked both sides of that uh, with what you do. Bryn has done the Mm -hmm. same thing. Uh, I have not. So so, I'm still the stubborn guy who says, what about the power play? But there's lots of roles in there. It's not just media in quote marks, is it? Yeah.
0: No, it is not. And you know, what? I got a great story about Gene, who doesn't. But I remember we were, doing, we were doing our morning meeting when I was still at Sportsnet. And, you know, each bureau has what they're going to do that day. And just around the time, Mac T was really in trouble. And the, 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 the assignment desk wanted Gene to ask, Gene, Gene can you ask uh, Mac T about his, you know, how he feels his coaching career, you know, is it coming to an end? And, you know, Gene, captain positive, but he's pretty much saying, no, I'm not doing it. And I just, I always laugh because I also had a news director when I was in Edmonton. Asked me remember around the time the Daniel Snyder thing happened yes. and they wanted me to ask about Mac T about how that happened. Mm. I just flat out said, if you want me to be able to go back into direct all place, I am not going to be that guy to ask that question. And there are some news directors that don't get that. Yeah. And there are some that do. They think that you should be asking those questions, but if, there's a relationship there that people don't understand. We may not like what the coach is doing, but there's still a relationship with the organization and the, the company that you work for. It's different in sports than it is in news, flat out period, and I know people don't like that line. Some people can ask those questions, but it's not coming from the sports guy. I'm sorry.
2: It's funny you should mention that because I was the sports director at CTV Edmonton and we would get that question from the newsroom all the time to which I simply, and of course, so I'm the sports director and I was blessed because I had Ryan Rashog and Brian Mudrick working alongside me. And when we had questions like that come up, I'd say, do you have a news reporter available today? You send them down to the practice to ask that question because I can't, I can't jeopardize any kind of a relationship I have, so send a newsie down. And that's often what yeah, they did.
0: The news yeah, the news report. That you always happy. Whenever C B C showed up, I'm Oh, like, yeah. God, something's coming. An <laughs> some some bad but yeah, there's an angle here. Yeah. We never see you all year long, but here comes C B C. No yeah. offense, C B C. We no, appreciate no, everything you hey, <laughs> Their newsroom,
2: they got a different agenda than we would have. So yeah. and we all have yeah. an agenda. So hey, before yeah. we go too far, I, I don't know if this is gonna play. Hang on a second here. I wanna see. I've got this. LaFontaine,
1: he gets tripped up, gets it to May, and over the line, he's May, going in on goal, he shoots, he scores! Mayday! 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 Brad May wins it in an overtime!
2: I don't care, I don't care if the guy's a homer or not, I can get goosebumps when I hear that, because that's... Uh, one of those memorable moments and that's what hey it's the entertainment business right boys
0: go ahead robin
1: you know what's stri- what strikes me guys and we've got a you know we've got a guy here in jack michaels who when he gets revved up uh, i i i love the call <laughs> of jack's games and i sat beside uh rod phillips for a long yeah. time on that airplane uh yeah and lo- and loved the passion in his call what I love about Rick Jenneret is, it's and I can't even do it because I'm a newspaper guy by trade. He doesn't have the perfect radio guy voice. That's uh, he sounds like the neighbor next door celebrating the a um, uh, Brad May goal. That's that's not a broad. Yeah. That's not a that's not a, a delivery you teach in, at Nate or Sate. That's Rick Jenneret calling the game the way he calls the game. I think it's terrific.
0: Yeah. It's, I think another thing people don't realize too, is broadcasters aren't journalists. They're entertainers. Yeah. That's all. That's that's, I mean, we, some, we went to journalism school. A lot of us uh, broadcast school, but there you are in the entertainment business. You don't want to be boring. You're entertaining people flat out. That's all. That's, that's what we are. That's what we're there for. Um, And he, he was one of the best man. Like there's just the, the montage that the Sabres had on their Twitter page. It's just his calls, and he, he talks in every once in a while, but you know, was, there's a lot of childhood memories in there that you cherish forever, and you're not even a Buffalo Sabre fan. You're just a fan of hockey, and Rick Jennerette is is one of the best. Like Just flat out, it is a hard job. Play-by-play is not – everyone goes, oh, oh, I could do this. No, you can't. Play-by-play <laughs> is the hardest job out there. You have to make something – there are some nights where you're watching games and you're like, what the – this is the most boring night of my life, but Paul Edmonds – makes it as exciting as, as possible. You feel like you're there. You feel like you have to be there. It is a skill that not many people have, and that's why there's only 32 of those jobs in the NHL.
2: I remember my very first play-by-play job was at uh, the University of Alberta at Claire Drake Arena for CJSR Radio, the campus station, and I recognized around three minutes in, I don't think I can do this. I, I don't think I can do this yeah, because it, the skill set of seeing it go in here through the eyes and come out and make some sense, in a split second, there it's a it's a real skill set. And then to address what you just pointed out, a uh, very good friend of mine, Kurt Kielback, who was a longtime yeah. voice of the Winnipeg Jets, and he had the pipes and everything. And when I worked and did color on the Jets broadcast back in 91, the one thing he reminded me of is that every game's got to sound like it's a seventh and deciding game of a Stanley Cup final. And I'm thinking, uh, sod, come on, Sodbuster, because he's from yeah. Saskatchewan. I said, how do you yeah. do that? He says, that's the secret. And that's all he said. That's all he ever said to me. So, I mean, it, yeah, it's, a, there's an art form to it. And everybody thinks they could do by play by play. And they're very critical of a lot of guys that are doing it. But I have the highest respect level for anybody who's working at the NHL level, even a lot of the new guys. It's just to get there, it takes a lot of work. And then to be able to stay there, when you think of Chris Cuthbert, who's been around forever doing those games, there's a lot of guys have been doing games for a long, long time. But, Man, oh, man, it's, uh, it's a skill set. Not only a broadcaster, yeah, you're right, you're an entertainer. So,
1: Robin. Yeah. Yeah, Bryn, you know what? I, I used to be one of those guys who I thought could do it um, because I knew the game. And we had we took some broadcasting while I was in, as part of journalism school to see if it was an option. We also took photography, but I don't take a great picture either. So, <laughs> um, in many ways. And I thought that I thought, I, yeah, good point. I I thought that until I ran into somebody that Jamie's very familiar with now, sitting in the press box and riding on the bus and listening to Kelly Moore do his job with the Blazers and I'm thinking this game is a dog this game is a dog with fleas and (laughs) it's you gotta go you got the mic and you gotta call it and it's gotta sound good and I thought how's he doing this this is unbelievable that was my first taste day after day night after night of seeing how tough that gig behind the mic is
0: well, you guys remember Brian Maxwell used to coach the Lethbridge Hurricanes. Brian I didn't know her there. And he, Brian he,
1: Maxwell had he to game
0: pipes. Uh, very deep. Yeah. Terrifying individual, oh, too. Oh, very terrifying. They, uh, they said, <laughs> He uh, told me, he's like, you can't be so hard on these kids. You, you are a salesperson of the Lethbridge Hurricanes. Changed my whole perspective of how you broadcast games. And he's like, they're kids. Don't forget that. Don't tell me <laughs> I'm enough. wrong either. That's how oh. it is. Yeah. I mean, he's the nicest guy, but just terrifying. Huge hands. He's got a photo. I remember in his office in Lethbridge, it was him checking Wayne Gretzky. I'm like, okay. Like just that one flat time. out. That respect one time. For, for respect. Yeah, that's right. He's got a photo of it too. So
1: Jamie, Jamie, do you like how you look now? <laughs>
0: hey, uh, listen, we're going to let you go. Uh, your
1: season
2: is not done yet and we appreciate your time. Uh, big hugs to you and your entire family. I miss you know, when you lived in Edmonton, we lived in the same neighborhood and uh, frequently yeah. I'd be out mowing the lawn because sometimes broadcasters have to do that and you'd always honk yeah. the horn and I always appreciated that that was great stuff. But no. uh, thanks thanks for your time today. This has been great.
0: I, listen, I don't think I have to, I say this all the time. I, it's always, when I come back to Edmonton and I lived there a long time too, my kids were born there. It's uh, sounds like liquor home all the time, right? And I have a lot of friends in the business. I learned a lot from you guys uh, over the years. It is not an easy business when you first start, but you guys uh, made it a lot of fun. And I always appreciate that too. So thanks guys. Thanks for having me on.
2: Well, it's going to be more than every year. I don't know why we didn't get a hold of you earlier, but I guess we didn't have a, we didn't see a fire in December in Winnipeg. So now there's a full scale three alarm blaze going and I'm sure they'll get it under control.
0: Thanks for your time, man. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to miss i I'll say Dave, I'll say hi to Dave Lauer. I missed my broadcast meeting. I'll tell him I was on with you guys.
2: That'd be nice. Thanks, and we'll talk to you again soon. (laughs) All
0: right, guys. Thanks.
2: Oh, yeah. Spring is here. You can tell in Western Canada because you can get snow one day and a crazy melt the next, and the temperatures are all over the place from, you know, plus 18 to minus 2 for a daytime high. I love it just the way it is. You know where it's hot, though, right now? The Edmonton real estate market. Wow. I don't know what I can tell you about 2022, but the Edmonton single family real estate market broke some records last year, not only for values, but also for units sold. So that tells me and it should tell you that if you're thinking of buying or selling a new place, then you better get some professionals involved here, like a Hall of Fame experience kind of guy like Brent McIntosh. He and his group do fabulous work. They'd be more than happy to talk to you a little bit if you've got some time. Just give them a call at the Macintosh Group at Remax River City at 780-464-0075, or you can find them online at McIntoshGroup.ca. Both buyers and sellers, give them a call, and make sure that when you do track them down, that you tell them that the outsider sent you. Well, Robin, that's it for another episode. You're in Edmonton. I am in snowy Kananaskis. It feels like winter, but I'm in the mountains. It's nice to be away, actually, for a little bit as we uh, are starting to come down the home stretch with the NHL season. Have you been yep. surprised by anything over the last couple of weeks? The Oilers have got yeah. it going. The Calgary Flames have got it going. It's starting to look pretty promising for playoffs for both the teams in the province of Alberta.
1: Wouldn't it be great for the hockey fans in Western Canada? Sorry, Vancouver, um, if the Flames and Oilers could uh, finish up uh, hotter than a $3 pistol, as the uh, saying goes, because it's been a long time since the Battle of Alberta, and I know there's this team called the Colorado Avalanche that yeah. uh, yeah. will play into things before we're done, but you know what? Uh, if both teams are going great guns down the stretch and into the playoffs, if they meet and when they meet as sort of secondary, I just look forward to seeing some good hockey in both cities here.
2: Hey, I got to bring it up because Jamie mentioned it. I asked him what was the best team in the West. And of course, he's with the Jets and they're in the Central. So he, of course, mentioned the Colorado Avalanche, but everybody would mention them when you're talking about one of the top teams in the West. He also mentioned Minnesota and they have uh, been very impressive this season. Didn't mention Calgary at all, and I'm thinking, you know what? There's the feather in the cap of Daryl Sutter, who who commented, as Jamie pointed out, about playing the Colorado Avalanche would be a waste of eight days. He has done a remarkable job of downplaying the Calgary Flames heading into this postseason to the point where nobody's saying, well, those guys are pretty good. He's done a really nice job, and it does a couple of things. It grounds the fan base. It grounds his team He's, uh, he's already in that postseason mode, I figure.
1: Well, Daryl is not only a, a smart man, he's clever. And if you believe he goes into a situation even though they're not there yet, he's going to take it the day at a time, which is the boring cliche. Yeah, but if Daryl Sutter's not going to go into any series thinking it's a waste of eight days he's he's gonna he's gonna want and expect to win it may not work out that way that may be the bottom line when it comes to reality but i tell you what i they're an awful good team and you know what for the for the razzing i i, I give you indirectly um about it johnny Goudreau is having a hell of a year yeah. and he is a dynamic enough player that if he's on and he's just going as good as he can go, he's a game breaker and a difference maker. And um I, I'm I'm still not sure he's to the level of the Guy, We've got here, but the reality is it does. It's not a contest. So what if he's not Connor McDavid, he's good enough to win you games in a playoff series. And I won't be surprised. Yeah, everybody, Denver, and I'm not writing them off. I haven't seen them as much as I would like. We're going to see them a bit against the Oilers here. Um, Calgary's really good, man. They're really good. Okay.
2: So we've seen what Daryl Sutter's done. Uh, Let's take a look at two other teams Bruce Boudreau in Vancouver. They're like on the, I mean, it's not looking great for the Canucks, uh, but we still have a few weeks to go. Bruce yeah. Boudreaux, would you hire him back?
1: Uh, you know what? I he's such a positive guy. Yeah. Uh yeah, I, you know what I would. He tend some coaches tend to get tagged with that uh short term um label. Yes you know uh shelf life the shelf life thing Ken hitchcock at this point in his career yeah uh boudreau um you know that sort of like they come in and they they just kick ass and take names and either shape up or you ship out um Boudreaux is not as raw and, and as black and white as that he's a good coach but I don't know that he's a five-years-in-one-place guy, but I sure ask him if he wants to come back for a a couple years and see how it goes, yeah. And Jay Woodcroft. Oh, easy easy call. You know what? This team, uh, and I'm well aware of the analytics guys, that favorite uh, small sample size saying – And 20 something games is still a small, relatively small sample size. But this team looks like they're, uh, more than anything, it looks like they're playing for each other. There's warts here and there's flaws here that we can pick out. Yes. But they, you see, you see Mike Smith and Connor McDavid celebrating. Yeah. You see them coming over and, and, uh, uh, face washing Jesse Puljarevi when he has a uh, makes a good play, uh, you know, or uh, it's it's Zach Hyman. I mean, what an addition! And and let's say it uh, on the ice, and we can only assume in the room because we haven't had so and so won't be dressing for the next foreseeable future. Evander Kane has come and delivered as people would expect he would uh, on the ice, and this team there's some. There's always more joy and more celebration and more happiness when you're winning and the high fives come easier obviously but if you look read between those lines, I'm seeing a team that cares about each other right now and that will take you longer uh, than you might go if you don't care that way
2: and I think a lot of that has to do with the coach I think he's done a remarkable job a lot of these yeah you know a lot of the younger guys especially uh, the the bottom six forwards, who I think have started to pick it up a little bit, and they I blamed those guys last season in the playoffs because I didn't think they were good enough. They didn't take enough yep. pressure off the top guys. But you've got a lot of those bottom six guys right now who've, who've probably played for Jay and played very well for him in Bakersfield, and now he's here and he trusts those guys, and they can feel it. I think uh, Boudreaux, I, I, I see Boudreaux hanging around. Daryl Sutter obviously is hanging around, and I think Woodcroft would be a good hire, and I guess we'd like to see Dave Lowry, so we've covered off all the Western teams. Okay, i got to get going. I'm not here skiing, by the way. I'm here at an event. Co- it's called Bex. If you want to look it up, it's Bex Conference. It's a leadership-type thing, and I'm here doing some podcast work, and uh, it's been great to be part of the Road 55 team here in Kananaskis, and I'm glad we've been able to get this one put out there.
1: I I thought Bex was a beer thing.
2: Uh, Not in this particular case. Well, there there have been beers. It's just uh, this is not specifically a beer event, but beer is part of it. Let me just put it to you that way. Hey, uh, check us out on Twitter. The handle's really simple. It's Outsiders 2020. Also, make sure you tell your friends to subscribe to our RSS feed on any of your favorite ear candy sites. You know what they are. Apple, Google, Spotify, Pocket Casts. These are there's a whole pile of them. Everybody knows. If you're listening to us now, then obviously you got us. So just uh, subscribe or follow us, and that's our RSS feed. And we're also on YouTube if you want to hear us, and that's uh, your, uh, your preferable choice. Robin is recording from his Lucky Sam studio in Southwest Edmonton. I usually uh, broadcast from the Road 55 studio in downtown Edmonton, but it's been nice to be up in the mountains for this little break. Uh, your support greatly appreciated, and uh, that's been fantastic. Also, once again, a huge thanks to Brent McIntosh and his group at the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City for uh, for supporting us over the 102 episodes of this that we've done. And also, one other thing, if you're on Twitter... Keep retweeting the fact that we're out here because that's what keeps our audience growing, and we love it. Robin, I got to get out of here. There's beers waiting for me out there on the patio, on the snowy patio here at Kananaska. So we'll uh, talk to you next week. Oh, did you want to say something? You want to take another shot?
1: No, no, just don't let those beers get warm. Off you go, man. All right, see you later. Talk to you next week. Road
2: fifty-five.